0: Welcome everyone. You're listening to the first ever creative sheep podcast. Uh, just let that jam go for a second. That's good. Now, in case you're wondering what you signed up for with this podcast, uh, we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire church leaders to get better in all aspects of ministry. My name is Roman Johnson. I'm part of the Creative Sheep crew, and we're so excited that you decided to take a few minutes out of your day and listen to this podcast. We have a very special guest today. His name's Lee Cockrell. He is former executive vice president of operations at Walt Disney World. Uh, huge deal. And if you've never been to Walt Disney World or never heard of it, or you're living under a rock, I mean, this this, this place is huge. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Walt Disney World myself. My wife and I are the weirdos that, that go without kids We don't have kids. I actually push kids into the bushes in order to get on Space Mountain. So this is a huge deal for me. I'm really excited about this interview. Another one of our team members, Jared Hogue, had the opportunity to catch up with Lee at his hotel when he was here visiting us in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So without any further ado, here's Lee Cockrell.
1: Welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast. My name is Jared Hogue, and today I'm honored to be here with Lee Cockrell, the former Vice, Executive Vice President of Operations for Walt Disney World. uh, Lee, thank you so much for joining us on the Creative Sheep Podcast. Thank you. Um, Would you just tell us a little bit about you?
2: Well, first of all, it's good to be in Tulsa because I was born in Bartlesville right down the street, and uh, I lived in Oklahoma for 20 years, never left the state uh, until I was 20 years old, grew up on a little farm up in near the Kansas border in Copan, Oklahoma. Uh, I went to college for two years and didn't do well, so I left. My mother wouldn't pay for it anymore. So I went in the Army in 1964. And later on, when I got out of the Army, I went to Washington and got a job as a waiter at the Washington Hilton. That happens to be the hotel where Reagan got shot, if you remember when he got shot by John Hinckley, Uh who actually was living in Ardmore, Oklahoma, by the way, where I grew up.
1: What are the chances?
2: I know. And uh, so I did that. I got in a management training program and uh, worked for Hilton for eight years, became director of food and beverage and worked at the Waldorf Story, Los Angeles, New York, all over Chicago. Then I joined Marriott in 1973, worked for Marriott for 17 years. Uh, I became vice president of food and beverage for the company, developing new concepts in food and restaurants around the world. And I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to open the project in Paris. My wife and I went there. We... uh, uh, I was there three years in France. Even got a French daughter-in-law out of it. My son fell in love there after he got out of college. And then we came back to Disney World in 93. And about 97 I was put in charge of all the operations at Walt Disney World and did that for 10 years. And then I retired in 06. Got a contract with Disney to do speaking and wrote a couple books for Disney. And uh, now I go around speaking, giving seminars, workshops on leadership. I did one yesterday for a a management company in St. Augustine. We did an eight-hour workshop. They brought every one of their employees in. They closed the offices for a day, and we just focused heavily on them, and it was really a great event. I mean, having all the people in one place at one wow. time to learn these concepts, how to be a better manager, how to be a better leader, how to improve customer service or member services in a church or patient service in a hospital, and it was great. So that's what I do, and um, I'm having fun.
1: (laughs) Well, you've written two books now, like you said. The first one was Creating Magic, um, and the second one now is The Customer Rules. And one of the things you said in Creating Magic that I absolutely love um, is that it's not the magic that makes it work. It's the work that makes the magic. What does that mean?
2: Well, yeah, it's the way we work. How do we work? We're very careful about who we hire, who we bring into the company, we screen people very carefully to make sure they have the passion and the can-do attitude. We're not too worried about the skill. That can be trained. But if you hire somebody with a can-do attitude, they are high potential. And they're going to take care of the guests. And they're going to do what they have to do. They're going to be on time to work. And they're not going to, you're not going to have to sit around coaching and counseling them all the time. And, and so we're very careful about that part. And we're very clear about our expectations for performance so people know when they join us. And then training. We are... We train, test, and enforce the training. So we train every employee. We test them to make sure the training took place. And when you, people know they're going to have a test, they pay more attention on the training. And then our managers all are really well-suited to know they have to enforce it because sometimes people don't follow the policy. They want to do their thing. And so we have the enforcement of it to keep us consistent and giving good service. And then the third thing I think was, f- for me, we have a really strong culture where people feel like they matter everybody. 72,000 people work at Disney World now oh, in wow. Orlando. 7,000 managers and really trying to create an environment and a culture where everybody matters and they know they matter. And It's the same in a church or it's the same, you know, everybody wants to matter. The best way to let people know they matter, you got to tell them. Sure. I know that with my wife. I said I used to tell her annually. I loved her. Now I tell her every day and my marriage got better. <laughs> you know, and when you have people you work with, uh, you've got to make sure you don't forget to give them some positive recognition and appreciation and encouragement from time to time because that's kind of the fuel that drives human performance. And so that's why that book's around leadership, how to behave, how to do the right things, how to... And I talk about it, A lot of people say, well, I don't need to read it. I'm not a leader. I said, well, hold it. You know, the way I think about leadership is if somebody depends on you in your life, you're a leader.
1: Absolutely. If you're
2: a parent, you're a leader. Mm-hmm. If you have your influence, the example you set. You you know, I tell people, be careful what you say and do. When you're around people, you can send the wrong message, or you can send the right message. And so don't start thinking that, uh, you know, a guy cleaning a bathroom, in a way, I make sure you he know he's a leader. People depend on him. Keep that thing clean. Get it spotless. It's part of our reputation. It's part of our brand. You're important. And we don't do that enough. And a lot of people don't think they're important. And if you don't think you're important, and you don't matter, you don't care too much, and you don't do a very good job. And... Uh, so that's why I wrote that book, is to give people a better perspective of the influence they have in the world and how they can make a difference, and not to underestimate it.
1: And when you were at Disney, you 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 had something like forty thousand people. I had were... forty thousand in operations, okay. yeah, and about five thousand managers. So with the principles you were just you were just discussing. Did... To some of the churches that may be listening to this podcast, um, whether they're a church plant and it's basically them and their spouse getting this thing going, or um, or even even something bigger like the church on the moves and the Pastor Willie Georges and Rick Warren that have these humongous churches, right. but it, it's still not forty thousand people. Do these principles still apply?
2: I think it. Pl- I think if you know if you're a small group, it ought to be easier. Uh-huh. you know if you got one or two employees if you don't know them well you got a problem <laughs> if you can't select two good people uh-huh. you know and think about the principles apply it doesn't matter you know respect for people applies to one person or forty thousand uh, hiring the right people training the right people you know if you got one person working for you you got to train them uh-huh. or they're not gonna perform at the level you want them to uh-huh. and you know, it's gonna damage their self-esteem and self-confidence and belief in themselves so absolutely I think these principles you know if if you work alone you know, how important it is to keep your promises, do what you say you're going to do, follow up, uh, have credibility, reliability. It's everything. Mm-hmm. And people need to revisit themselves to see where they're lacking and go to work on trying to improve those things. In fact, that's why a lot of people go to church, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to get better. Right. And we got to make sure the pastor is setting the right example. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Because everybody's watching. Absolutely. And, uh, Churches have the same issue. Other people sometimes the pastor doesn't set the right example. People don't believe, and uh, I think about that every day now, making sure I'm setting the right example. Mm-hmm. Even when I was communicating with you, I want to make sure you knew I might be two minutes late. I don't want you know sure I want traffic. I want sure, and just commit. And so we, I. I don't know what your opinion ended up working on this appointment, but I suspect it was good. It was. It was very. And it good. could
1: have been bad. That <laughs> could have
2: could. not answered you. I could have not shown up today. I could have. I'm all very aware of my actions, because uh, I don't want you damaging my reputation. By and it shows. It shows.
1: <laughs> I mean, of of the people, this is this is our third podcast. We have, uh, which you're actually the. This is the third one we've recorded. You're our pilot episode, but with with all the people we've reached out to for this, we've had people flat out not respond to us. Um, um, and we've had others that have been very graciously declining the offer just because due to a busy schedule or whatever the case may be. And to be honest with you, when I did initially reach out to you, um, I expected to not hear back. I mean, I. You reach out to, to a big name, and you, just, you don't ex- always expect to get a response. Um, and after, I, I think you responded within a day. You had responded to my initial request, and I was blown away at that. Um, and then you're spot on. I mean, texting me and letting me know, I may be late, I've got another meeting, but I will be there. Um, you've definitely kept me informed all along the way. It shows that that's priority to you. Well,
2: all those people told you they were too busy, they weren't. <laughs> Everybody thinks they're busy. most people are not too busy they're underorganized sure. and they're lazy and they got a lot of
1: excuses.
2: I mean why come on I mean
1: give me a break <laughs> Sure Now your latest book, the Customer Rules: Yeah the title is a double entendre correct Tell us why Well, I
2: think uh, in this day and age if you't if you run any organization you don't realize the customer's in charge because they can walk away.
1: Absolutely, they can go
2: to another church. Absolutely, they can quit going to church. Mm-hmm. They can quit giving you money. Mm-hmm. They can uh, reduce the amount of money they give you. They can, if you don't, if you're not relevant and you're not meeting their needs of helping them with common problems they have today. People want to know how to handle their marriage and kids and teenagers and drugs and all these things. Absolutely, and, and the churches need to step up and be relevant because. If your church is growing, you're relevant. If it's declining, you're not. Right. (laughs) Because people go back to where they're getting what they need. Mm -hmm. And then this was just kind of to give a set of things you could think about, rules, if you will, uh, how you could enhance and become more relevant for your members or your patients in a hospital or really Starbucks, anywhere, you know, if you pay attention. And... uh, if you're always thinking about the customer and keeping the customer central to everything you do, you're probably doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. If you think you're more important than the customer. That's where things definitely get backwards. Then it goes downhill and people sit, notice, let me tell you, when you, people know who's paying attention and who's not. Absolutely. They know who's arrogant. They know who thinks they're the center of attention and it can't be the leader. The customer needs to be the person.
1: Well, Sam Walton, you you alluded to this just a moment ago, but Sam Walton said a long time ago that your customer can fire you at any moment by taking the dollars elsewhere. They do. And the same is true in the church world. It's not just about the dollars, but they can ease, there's an array of other churches, especially here in Tulsa. There's a church on every corner here. Church capital. (laughs) So, I mean, they can take their quote unquote business and take their family elsewhere. They don't have to attend your church.
2: And even that, when the first day they walk into your church, you better make sure they have an incredible experience because next Sunday they will either be back or won't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, we all do that. It's absolutely. You go to a place, you go in, you have a good experience, and you feel like they care about you and you're welcome. We go back to those places. Mm -hmm. Other places you walk in, the kids are texting, they're not paying attention. and There's too many, you know, everything's a commodity now. Churches are a commodity. You can have a choice of anyone you want. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's plenty of Baptist churches, non-denominational,
1: Methodist. I mean, On down the I list. can't imagine there's a big shortage of churches here. Right. <laughs> huh? Absolutely. And one, one of the things I thought was so amazing in your book is you talked about the conversation you had with your family sitting around the table, and your 12-year-old granddaughter chimed in when you asked her, what is, what is so important. And I thought this was so profound that a 12-year-old grasped this, and it so applies to the church. And you mentioned just a moment ago about um, when they first walk in your doors. And I think this principle is so key because um, there's so many businesses that miss this. I but got what... a
2: note yesterday from somebody about that, a guy I worked with 30 years ago. In fact, he was said he was in the library, and he noticed this book, and he picked it up and started looking at it. And he said, I couldn't put it down. I didn't even realize it was you until I looked at the cover and Lee Cocker wrote it. And he said, the one thing that struck me the most is what your granddaughter said. Mm -hmm. And what she said is, I said, Margo, what's the most important rule in customer service? I need some help. And she looked up at me and said, Pappy, first rule is be nice. Let me tell you, you, if you're nice, that's half the battle. Mm -hmm. And then I asked my grandson Tristan. I said, "Tristan, you want to be in my book?" And he said, "Yes, Papi. I said, "You better give me a good quote." He was ten. <laughs> I said, "What does service mean to you?" He looked up and he said, "Pappy, when you serve, you're always the giving one." I love you that. You know, I boy, love that. that is deep. Mm-hmm. Military, pastors, nurses, parents—who are the giving ones in our society? Mm-hmm. Nonprofit people who help the homeless, and—and mm-hmm. and it should be in a business too. Mm-hmm. And the church definitely needs to be there to give and be available to their members 24/7. And who knows, they're having a problem in the middle of the night, and you ought to be able to get somebody. Right. You know, it's like if the hospital right. closed at to when 12 o'clock till three in the morning, you might have a problem. You <laughs> there might could die. Be some
1: issues there. And I
2: think we got to think more about not just what we do for a living, but are we serving? Do we have that spirit to serve? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, don't have that spirit. There's certain jobs you shouldn't be in. Sure. And being a pastor is one of, them. Mm-hmm. or being a nurse is one of them. Or being in the military, right? They are the big givers, right? You know, so uh, that was profound. And of course, Tristan got a whole chapter because that (laughs) blew my mind. That blew my mind when he said that, right? And said a simple definition of
1: service. Yep. Be the giving ones. Not- well, and it seems as though business is, is is moving back that way more to the old, old-fashioned old style of business to where it's no longer who can yell the loudest. It's no longer who who has the best commercials or anything like that. It's, it's service. That's why I love your books is that service is king well, we've tried everything else, so now we better take care of the customer. <laughs> <Huh>?
2: <laughs> None of this other stuff worked to well. so take true. care of the customer. It's Even so Walt Disney said before he died, he said, if you guys will just keep it friendly and clean, everything will be fine after I'm gone. You know, you talk about basics in life. Don't That's get too complicated. Favorite. technology and blah, blah, blah. Still, you've got, you got to face the customer eyeball to eyeball, not with an iPad. You can't raise right. your kids with an iPad. Right. You know, you got to deal with them. And we get carried away with... Thinking technology is more important than human contact, and it's not. Right. It's not. You know, you can have a answering service that says, if you're depressed, dial six, <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> and then it plays jump right. while you're Instead on hold.
2: Instead of being available to meet with you and maybe keep you from de- doing some harm to yourself. Sure. I mean, it's uh, the human spirit is very powerful when it's put in the right gear
1: Mm -hmm. and uh, technology really doesn't care if you care or not (laughs) if your phone your phone has no emotions (laughs) right right that that's one of my biggest pet peeves is is getting an answering service when i call somewhere it's It's terrible it's very frustrating um to tag on though what Margot said you you went on in your book to talk about how great service doesn't cost any more than average or poor service why don't you expound a little more on that
2: Well, I think if you pick the right people and you're training them well and you're clear, uh, you're probably spending the same money hiring bad people and training them and not holding them accountable. That Most things, you know, expectations don't cost much. I'm I'm sure your mother may have had high expectations for you. Did she clarify those for you? Oh, absolutely. It didn't cost her anything either. No. It's free. Right. And I think uh, the best way a church or any business can improve their business which is more members people coming repeat business is to raise their expectations for delivery mm-hmm. raise your expectations let me tell you what you know why if you had a good mother she had high expectations and I'm sure she was clear with that when you don't have when you don't clarify for people your expectations they settle in at some level lower than where they could when you ask for more people step up mm-hmm. And we ask for a lot of Disney and that's why you go there you get fabulous service because we deliver that expectation, we deliver that training, and we don't select bad people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we select can-do people, right. not can't-do people. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's just a way you think about things. And uh, if you want it to be better, it'll be better. And people say, well, it's hard. Yeah, everything's hard before it's easy. Everything. <laughs> and if something's not hard, it's probably not even that worth that much right. spending any time on it. Right. And most people are not working on hard things mm-hmm. because they're hard. So we don't have the hard conversation with people who don't perform because well, you know they've been here twelve years, and i don't want to talk to them and they're going to cry and we're going to... we need to be doing the hard things and if you're not doing hard things every week you're probably not doing the right things, and when you do the hard things, a bunch of other stuff never happens right <laughs> if you don't hire some crazy person, you don't have to deal with all these issues when they misbehave, and people just can't need to get more focused on what are the basics of how you it's not complicated we all know right our mothers taught us and then we go into business and we forget (laughs) you know we get it gets complicated but we got to get back to thinking about okay how are people wired what are the emotions that turn people on it's appreciation recognition training opportunity feedback Mm -hmm. encouragement These, these never change These never change yeah and when you do them better you get better results
1: Absolutely. And one, one thing, um, one of the principles in your book is that it, it the guest service starts at the top. And I've seen firsthand in my church with my pastor, Pastor Willie George, um, I've been at a sporting event that he was there. He had any number of staff around him that he could have just pointed the finger and said, go do this. But I saw him go move a trash can and um, from where it was in it was in a very odd location in which there was lots of trash being thrown on the ground because the trash can was so far away. I saw him personally walk over, bring the trash can back over and set it where it needed to be. And to me, when I read this principle in your book, that's immediately the story I thought of because I just thought to him it's a big deal and I've heard at Disney that everybody is a janitor. Everybody. Everybody's Nobody would
2: walk walk over a piece of paper. When you got seventy-two thousand people picking up the paper, it's pretty clean. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody could. I don't care who it is. Right. I would never walk over. And a George knows the impact of role modeling. Mm-hmm. That's the number one pay people learn. Mm-hmm. It's not in school. Right. It's not reading Lee Cockle's book. It's watching the leader. Sure. You know, parents. A lot of parents miss this because they don't realize they're arguing in front of their kids, they're saying inappropriate things.
1: It's going in. They're getting it. So, yeah, role modeling. You beat me to the punch. I was going to ask why it's so important for it to start at the top, but you just said Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, The top is wherever you are, though, Mm -hmm. so don't always look up. (laughs)
2: Look and make sure you're doing the right thing because there's people looking at you, too. I think a lot of people think, well, it's Willie George. Well, it's also his sons, and it's also the people in the church. And it's also, you know, uh, yeah. At Disney, I could say, well, it's me. But I wanted to make sure all 7,000 managers knew it was them, too. Mm -hmm. Because the most important manager in your life is (laughs) yours, not the president.
1: Right, right.
2: You know, and that's sometimes we like to say that guy up there is, well, if he's not doing his job, okay, fine. Make sure you're doing your job and don't let it impact you. You'd be great. If the neighbors are not being good parents, that doesn't mean you
1: should be a bad parent. Right. Just focus on your kids. Don't worry about their kids. Yeah, so. There was a principle you talked about in here from a book you actually read, Leading Out Loud, Yeah. um, in which it's that great leaders speak loud and often about what they want their organization to focus on and what the employees are expected to to do to achieve those goals. Um, And and I actually just heard Pastor George talk about this at a leadership lunch a couple of weeks ago where he talked about it's so important that you're constantly preaching what you want to see. Why is it so important? Well, you know, if you're a leader or
2: a parent, people need to know where you are. They shouldn't have to be guessing where you are and treating people respectfully or diversity or inclusiveness or any subject because if you don't let them know where you are, they'll decide for themselves Mm -hmm. and they may be wrong. And you've got, and a lot of times people don't want to speak up about sensitive subjects because well, it's political and la-la-la. But people need to know who you are, and parents particularly. When you think about parents, you got to let your kids know where you are. My, you know, We know in our family, our grandkids here, your name is Cockerell. We don't get tattoos. We don't get piercings. We don't smoke. We don't take drugs. Huh? And, you, and guess what? We haven't had any issues because that's where the learning takes place. And uh, they've heard it over. You know, when you have children, you think, you're trying to teach them, say, thank you, please, excuse me when they're little, I'm sorry, don't hold my leg when people come in the house, shake their hand. And it, one day somebody, and it takes you forever. And one day somebody says, you have great kids. And you say, you don't know what I went through. <laughs> because it takes time. Mm-hmm. Repeat it over and over and over. And all of our values were created over time, mm-hmm. and most of them from the family most of them for, for good or bad sure so don't uh, underestimate uh, yeah it's big and you have to speak up yeah. people need to know what your expectations are if you're in a leadership job and how you feel about things and where your support is and where it isn't and what you don't believe in
0: well there you have it some great stuff from lee cockrell that was actually a part one of a two-part interview and we'll release the second part here in, uh, in a month or so in our next podcast. So definitely stay tuned for that. Now, if you've made it to this point and you have no idea who Creative Sheep is, um, what we do... Basically, our mission is to communicate God's love through excellent content. We do that in a number of ways. Uh, We do custom graphic design and and custom video production for churches. And uh, we also have prepackaged series artwork and uh, and videos. You can check those out on our website, thecreativesheep.com. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you have any questions, you can feel free to reach out to us. Again, our website's thecreativesheep.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at creative underscore sheep. And uh, if you're into phones, um, we have a phone number. It is 918-872-0344. Give us a call uh, if you want to chat. We'll just just chat with you. We'd love to just, you know, meet you, hang out with you. Uh, It'd be great to connect with you guys. Again, my name is Roman Johnson. Thanks so much for listening to the first ever Creative Sheet Podcast.